Glad you're at Waypoint today. My name is Blair. And we are deep into a series that we're calling The Stories We Tell Ourselves. I'm going to come back to that song in a little bit. Uh, but this uh, series is about something I think is happening in everybody's life. There are stories that run around in our head that nobody else knows about that actually guide our lives. And so we've talked about different ones. We talked about these short little statements that come out of nowhere into our heads and they can dominate our thoughts and really shape the moment with a relationship or a situation that we're in. We talked about how sometimes we have conflicts in our head before the conflict or we define what the conflict is before we even know what's going on and it creates a path for that conflict to go that's not healthy or good. You've already kind of predetermined where it's gonna go. And we talked about these big defining stories that shape our lives. I think we've all been touched by sin. And sometimes we wear these goggles that cause us to see the world in a certain way. And so reality is skewed. And unless God informs us otherwise, what we see is not accurate and true. And uh, today we're going to talk about another type of story that we tell. It's a little bit different. And it's more difficult because this story you can easily see in somebody else's life. And it'll be, it'll be safe for you as I'm talking about this to think about them, whoever them is, right? That group of people, that person, that, that situation that you see going on in their lives. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. And just like the other ones that we have looked at in this series, I'm really convinced that we all wrestle with this in some way because we're all experiencing the same source where this stuff comes from. And because of that, we've got to have our guards up. We've got to be wise about how we're doing this. And sometimes I think we don't do that well because we don't understand what's happening. Uh, I've been talking the last few weeks about, uh, we've mentioned this idea that there's a war, a spiritual war going on. And I haven't, I haven't talked about it a lot over my career because I'm not convinced that the church has a very good take on it. I think when they talk about it, there's some things that are really twisted up. And I've, I've had a hard time figuring out how I would even put that into language that people would understand. It, this week I was listening to a podcast of a pastor out in Seattle who said the same thing. And I was just curious about what he would say. And then he started kind of unfolding some stuff. And I was like, I could never have put it in those words. But that's exactly how I feel. And he described it like this. So when the church talks about this, this idea of spiritual um, warfare, we paint this picture of these two armies that are duking it out. It's like trench warfare. They're going toe-to-toe over the souls of mankind. And because of that, it's this overt war that you can look everywhere and you see spiritual warfare everywhere. The problem is the scriptures don't treat the enemy so kindly. The scriptures say that God's enemies are already defeated, that the cross destroyed them, absolutely devastating to them, that they have no power whatsoever. If you are an army that's been defeated, destroyed, and has no power, you do not step up to God's army and pretend you could challenge him. That's not what's happening. The different tactics have to be used. So there's, it's, it's almost like you would call it guerrilla warfare. It's disinformation. It's accusations and lies. It's all kinds of things where I offer you a counterfeit. 
I hide in plain sight. I make this seem so normal and real that you would accept it. And while you're busy, convinced that you see the real problem out here, something slithers around the back door and enters your life. And it sets up and it starts to guide and shape you. Now, that's what I think is happening a lot uh, because we all have this similar source where this stuff comes from. We are embedded in a culture that is absolutely opposed to everything that God cares about. I don't know if you listen to that song carefully. It was about a guy who lives in L.A. He's embedded in L.A. And he's trying to be a writer. He obviously wrote a song. And he was finding himself going to these parties where everybody would deck it out in the best clothes. They'd rent cars to look good. They'd show up and talk about who they knew and what they've done. And there was something inside him that became uncomfortable. And he's like, I don't think... I'm these beautiful people. I don't think I'm the kind of person that's going to be able to put on this show for everybody to look at and feel good about. I feel out of sync here. And so he wrote a song about how he felt that way. Like, I'm in this. I'm a part of it. I'm even going to the party, and I'm asking, can you get me out of this conversation? But I'm in this. But I'm uncomfortable Can I tell you, that's the picture of what it's supposed to be like for us. We're in this culture. There's no way around that. And in that song, he described what our culture defines success as. Who do you know? What have you done? What do you have? How can you show that to everybody? What do you put on as a display for your success? But I'm telling you right now, our culture doesn't stop at success, defining what success is for us. It defines all kinds of stuff. It defines what it means to have a good relationship with somebody or not. It def- it's defining human sexuality in our culture right now, telling us what that should look like, how it should be. It's defining all kinds of morals and values, and, and we're in it. And unfortunately, There is a story that I'm hearing, it's been in the culture for a long time, but I am hearing it on the lips of followers of Jesus, and I'm seeing it in their lives. And this story is starting to show up in a very real way, and that's what I want to talk about today. Let me I'll just be straight up with it. I hear this a lot from even followers of Jesus now. I think I can determine what's true for me. I can determine what's true for me. So they assess their experience in life because experience is the one thing that nobody can deny, nobody can take away from you. And I assess my experience and I take takeaways out of that and I say, this is true. And if you disagree with that, I tell you you're not allowed to. You can't disagree with me. I've had this experience. This experience is real for me. You can't say if my experience was good. You can't say if it's not good. Who are you to do that? And at some level, I kind of agree with that. Like, who am I to determine that? But God, 
the creator of this world, the creator of you, the God who designed and has a plan for how this would go and how it would be well and perfect, he can speak to what's good and what's not good. And in fact, he does. And in doing so, he is trying to set us on a course for life that's to our benefit. And instead, we have looked at that and said, it's not true for me. And I'm going to go on my path, and it's going to be just fine. Uh, Paul actually addresses this. Because this idea, this idea that you would be the sole person who decides what's true for you or not, it's dangerous. Because it might work out for you. It might feel good for you. And, and even then, I'm convinced it's only temporary. Because if you're not designed by God to live a certain way, it doesn't matter how true it is to you or not. Eventually, it will harm your life, and I guarantee it will harm others. And that's the problem with this whole thing. My desire to set this subjective truth and determine whatever I want to be true only puts you at the center and disregards everybody else, including God. Now, um, Paul writes to this church in Rome, and he's going to address this in, a, in an interesting way, but I, I love that it's in this section of Scripture. Uh, Paul is writing to this little church. It got planted in Rome. It grew to a certain size, and then it stagnated for a long time. It had a real hard time growing. And I think um, maybe the reason that had a hard time was because it was embedded in the center of a culture that was so opposed to God in every way. You've never seen anything as crazy as the Roman Empire. Devaluing human life, violent as all get out, status-driven like you wouldn't believe, um, everything about it, sexual dysfunction off the charts, everything about it was off. And and this church is trying to live embedded in this place. And so when Paul writes to him, there's big things that he's talking about because he's trying to keep them on the right path when they're in the center of the world that's going down the wrong one. And so there's, there's big stuff that he's talking to them about. And I love the fact that he's addressing it here. And he says this about the mind. This is chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in according with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Now, if you've been here um, every week, this sounds a lot like Romans 12. If, you're, if you haven't been, we've used Romans 12, 1 and 2 as our kind of foundation for this whole series where we're called to not conform to this world, but to be transformed instead. And Paul says it in a different way here. But he uses, he uses a word that said, it, you set your mind on it. Our culture would easily look at this and go, it's your mindset. It's the thing that you think is logical, makes sense. Um, it, it works for you. It's your focus. When Paul uses it, it's an even deeper kind of meaning that he intended that this would actually set 
the course of your life for purpose and meaning. Like it has that kind of impact. This matters how you think. This matters how you feel. It's, it's setting the course for your whole sense of well-being. And when you set it on the flesh, it's going to cause a problem. And when you set it on the spirit, you're paying attention to what the spirit desires. And then he says this. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now, if there was a word that would jump out of this text at you, it would be this word governed. That, that's a big word. I don't know what you think of when you see it, but I think like ruled over. I think... It has, it has dominion. It's determining direction for your life. And he's saying, listen, the mind that's governed by the flesh, and he just got done talking about what happens if your mind's governed by the flesh. It means you're focused on what you desire. I'm focused on what I desire out of life. It says when that happens, it's death. Do you understand that the stakes are high? He goes on and says, but the mind, the mind that has decided to set itself on what the spirit desires and what God cares about and what God thinks is right, that mind, there's life and peace. Now, I think it's kind of really interesting what he just did there. Because if he's building a contrast and he said there's death and there's life, wouldn't those two things be good enough? Those are pretty stark. But I think sometimes what happens is if you're in a conversation with people and, and you say, hey, do you feel like you're alive? And they would say, well, in the living sense, I'm definitely not dead, but I don't know if I feel fully alive. I don't know if I feel like I'm like leaning into my purpose for life. And so Paul says something else. He says, and peace which is something people can measure. If you were to go out on the street today and you walked up to somebody and you said, do you feel like your life is full of peace? I bet you they'd give you an answer. What do you think they would answer? What would you answer if somebody sat across from you today, had a cup of coffee, looked you in the eye, and said, is your life full of peace? It's a really good question. And Paul is making the point that if there is something that's governing your life, it will show up in the outcomes of your life. It could show up and that it alienates you from God, pushes you further away, or it could be a place of peace, and you should be able to measure it. This week I had an annual appointment with my doctor. It's my free appointment. I don't know if you guys have these or not, but I have insurance through my uh, wife's insurance, and so uh, every year they make us take blood out, and then they look at it, and then they send us to the doctor, and we get a free appointment. So I save up all my ailments and all my questions for my free doctor's appointment every year. And I figure, like, 
if I get sick a month from now, I'm going to see the doctor in 11 months. I'll save it for then, right? I don't want to pay for that. I want to get it in the free one. So I'm going through everything. Like, I'm going through the list of stuff. And I'm kind of checking it off. And he's telling me, yeah, that's a problem. That's not a problem. Oh, you should pay attention to this, all that. And we get to the end. And he goes, okay, is there anything else that I need to know about what's going on with you? And a thought crossed my mind. And then I thought, I'm not telling him. Because the last time I told him about this, I didn't like what he said to me. So I'm just going to save this because I know what's going on. I can manage this. I can handle this myself. And I left the doctor's office. And I'm, I'm in the, like, parking lot. And God knows, like, that I'm going to sit here and ask you this week, are you at peace? And he had the gall to ask me that. Like, and here's the problem. Um, several years back, I had decided to load up my life so full with stuff that I started to develop some heart issues. And I really, when I went to the doc, I thought he was just going to say, hey, we can do this and this, this will go away, but no big deal. But he didn't. He said, Blair... You can't handle the stress that's in your life. You're going to have to deal with this differently. And that was super annoying to me. Because one of the stories that I have told myself about life is that I love stress. That you can't overload me. I'm too strong for that. And I can take whatever life throws at me. In fact, I'll add more just to prove it. Like, I'll do more. No problem. Let's go. And I was sitting in that doctor's office with evidence that I couldn't. And it made me feel weak. And the thing was, it's five years later, I've done a lot better. I've, I've done a lot of smart things to take care of that. But I was starting to see elements of that kind of stuff show up in my life again. Not as bad as it was before. And I knew if I mentioned it to him, he was going to tell me that I would have to start dealing differently with stress. And I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. Now, now listen, I didn't want to have him tell me that I was weak or couldn't handle it. But, but when I sat and listened to the voice of God ask me where in the world did I get those kind of messages it wasn't from him. Have, have you paid attention in our culture? We're told that you should do more. How much more? As much as you can do. Pile it on. Go to the hilt. You know what God says? I created you for a rhythm in life. There's patterns that I made you for. I created a Sabbath so that you would understand how badly you need rest. Like I, I created and designed you in a certain way that if you would pay attention to me, you could do that. But my experiences had informed me of what, what I wanted. And what I wanted was to put as much stuff on to prove that I was as strong as possible. And what I wanted to do was, I, my schedule 
is a reflection of what I value, and my values determine how I live my life. And so I decided, this is what I value. I value doing all of these things rather than listening to you, God, about what's the right way to go about pacing my own life. And I had told myself a story that was out of sync with God, that was more in line with what our culture was doing, and it's what I really cared about. And my own experience of what I wanted and what I valued was more important than God. And here's where it gets troubling. Because it's not just that I could look at my life and start to see that, oh, there were some physical things that were starting again that I recognized from that time before. God asked me a very specific question. Are you at peace? Now listen, I just want to warn you right now. This can be a very misleading question if you are the one setting what's true for your life. Because you will look at the thing that you've been pursuing and you will say, I'm getting a hold of it. I'm actually doing what I want to do. I'm following through on this thing that makes me happy, that puts me at the center. I'm getting out of life what I want, what I value. And because of that, you can conclude, I'm at peace. I think it's false. It will only last so long. But the other question is, in your wake behind you, is there peace? Are you leaving peace at your workplace? Is it showing up in your household? Is it happening with your friends? The stuff that you're involved with was their peace, and this is where it got me. I could actually look in my life. And I was starting to notice there were fractures because I was on edge and I wasn't handling things the way that God would have wanted me to handle and it wasn't leading to peace. And I knew there was a problem. I allowed this idea to become a part of who I was. I'd kind of backed away from it five years ago, but there it was back again. I want to determine what's right for me. I want to determine what's good for me. Listen, this is really easy. If you, if you see something that's like, feels like that's crazy out of bounds, that's clear, that's, you can see this. You know, this, um, this person's addicted to porn, and so you can see, oh, that's off, that's off base, I can see that. Or they're outrageous flying off the handle, and you can see that. You can look at that and say, that's obvious, that's messed up. But where this gets really difficult is when it sneaks into your everyday life and it shows up in a way that seems like it makes absolute logical sense to you. And your mind is set on your desires. You don't know it, but it's doing great damage to your heart and to your life. I want you to 
See what Paul said a little bit further down. This is verse 13, where he just spells it out as clear as he can. For if you live according to the flesh, according to what your desires are, you're focused on what you want, what you value, what's most important to you, your setting, what's true for you. If you live that way, scriptures say, you will die. Your spirit will shrivel. Your peace will be gone. You will find yourself opposed to the way God intended for you to live, which drives a wedge between you and him. You're dying. But, he says, if by the Spirit, if the Spirit comes along and informs you of what's true based on the way God sees the world, God sees your life, God sees your purpose and meaning, if you're getting your facts from who he is, then this, it says this, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, which is another way of saying you're at peace. All of these things that you do, that you used your body for, that maybe harmed you and harmed other people, start to go away when you get your information from God instead of you. And he ends it by saying, you will live Not just be alive, you will have purpose and meaning. Because he has designed our lives to work in a certain way. And when we're the ones out there determining what's true and not true, you are pushing God off the throne and you're putting you at the center. And it causes harm. Just like it was causing harm in my life. It just wasn't me. It was starting to splinter and show up in other areas of my life. It will do the same for you. I think sometimes people are concerned that if God wants to set the agenda that we're afraid that all he's about is just a bunch of control. He just wants to control us and manipulate us. Can can you understand that the reason God gives direction, talks to you about what's true, is because he loves and cares for you and he knows what's good. His goodness is pursuing your heart in a way that if you would lean into that, you would experience life in a way that you couldn't any other way. And so whatever the story is that you've told yourself that's true, because you want what you want, because you value what you value, it will mess up your life and others. And the only way back from that is to decide that you will let the Spirit of God speak into your life, reveal that stuff, and ask you for adjustments. I'm going to have to make some. And I know that. And I'm going to do that because I know what God is asking for is not to find a way to make me look weak. He's offering me a better way to live that would honor him. And you know what? We're embedded in this culture, and it's an opportunity for us to be a light. But when we find our truth from ourselves, 
it often has the effect of muting any light that would come from our lives and we just blend in and disappear. And God wants us to stand out in a way that's unique and different. That's not going to happen unless his truth directs and guides your life. So I'm going to ask you this week, just ask two questions. Am I at peace Is there peace in my wake? Is there peace in my world? Am I a part of that or am I causing problems? Then the second question, is there anything that I'm operating, like any belief, any thought, any feeling that I'm deciding to carry because I want it, because it's what I value? Would you let God have a shot at that? Would you let him talk to you about his good plan for you? Because he has more for your life than that. Can I pray with you? God, I'm, I'm watching the disinformation campaign of the enemy be effective. Convincing people that their experiences can determine what's right for them and they don't have to listen to God. So I just ask that you would find yourself going into those spaces in our lives where we've constructed these, they're logical, they make sense to us, they're reasonable. These places that are out of sync with you and ask that you would reveal them I ask you to help us to be honest about whether we're producing peace in our lives, peace in our families, peace in our workplaces. And if not, it's a signal that something is off. God, we love you. I know you're good. I ask you would give, give your heart to each one of these people here this week, that they would see your good, good heart pursuing them. God, we love you. We don't want to be the one who governs our lives. We need you. So reveal the truth to us in Jesus' name. Amen.